a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Sources. Inside sources. Inside sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. President Biden has been in Poland today, where of course he met with the U.S. troops, with aid workers, helping with refugees, announced uh, plans on uh, some projects with the EU. Uh, joining us from ABC News, uh, White House correspondent who is traveling with President Joe Biden, Karen Travers, joins us online. Karen, I know these are very long days for you. Thanks for jumping on with us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So as you've watched the president today, as he's moved uh, through many of these meetings, uh, uh, give us some sense mm-hmm. uh, first of this uh, joint game plan between the U.S. and the EU. Yeah, that feels like so long ago because the president <laughs> was still in Brussels when right. he announced that. And then he went to Eastern Poland and now he's here in Warsaw. But the president was meeting with the president of the European Commission and announcing that there would be this new effort between the United States and European countries to try and help them shift away from the reliance on Russian energy exports. So the president said that the United States will be working with international partners to try and get more liquefied natural gas to Europe this year. That's an immediate effort. And over the next decade, try to boost what the United States would be sending to Europe. The president said this is not going to be easy. There will be a cost for Europe, but that this is morally the right thing to do. And ultimately, he says the strategic right thing to do to shift away from Russia beyond just the immediate impact that they're hoping it could have. Now, that it's going to take some time. uh, And this has been a big concern among European leaders. And I think the one area of all of this situation right now. That's the one area where there's been a bit more daylight between the United States and European leaders. They're not as in lockstep in terms of shifting away from Russia because, frankly, it's just very difficult for Russia, for Europe to do that. Yeah, uh, and I just, I just want to point out for our listeners that this felt like three days ago to you <laughs> because that yeah, is sorry. that no, that is the day that is the the day in the life of when you're traveling uh, mm-hmm. with a, an elected official overseas. It just is the way it goes, <laughs> and especially with the president. And uh, I know much of the day today in Poland uh, was centered mm-hmm. around refugees, and of course, uh, Poland has done such extraordinary work. Uh, we've often compared mm-hmm. it uh, to basically evacuating the state of Utah. Uh, and uh, having that all go to somewhere else. And uh, give us a sense of of the president's mood and feel as he's had interaction with some of those and and just the complexity Mm -hmm. of dealing with three and a half million people uh, that are suddenly refugees. Yeah, and two million, more than two million here in Poland alone. So the president today was meeting in eastern Poland with some of the groups and organizations that are working on the response, the humanitarian issues. And, you know, the president said that this is going to be a need for a pretty long time. And the United States is committed 
to helping Poland and other countries that need the assistance. And, and we're talking about immediate needs, food, shelter, clean water, medical supplies, you know, thinking of this like after a natural disaster sort of situation. And that's almost what it was like for the president today to hear from some of these officials about what they're trying to do quickly, what else they need and how much need there actually is. So that's one part of it. Uh, you know, the president saying we're giving a billion dollars now, several billion more to come because of what Congress approved about two weeks ago. And then for tomorrow, the president's going to be actually meeting with some Ukrainians who left their homes to flee the violence, are here now in Warsaw, Poland. And the president today expressed a bit of disappointment, saying he wished he could go into Ukraine and, and see people there, talk to them about what daily life is like, talk to them about their hardships. Instead, he'll have that chance here to talk to those who left. Uh, I think that's so uh, interesting in terms of what the president does and his mood and, and some of his comments, I think, have been very telling. Another one that, uh, of course, has uh, gotten a lot of attention over the last 24 hours uh, is his comment around food and food supplies and, mm -hmm. and possible food shortage. Give us some sense of that. Yeah, you know, talking about uh, Russia being such a significant exporter of wheat and what that means as countries try to turn away in the economic sanctions, it'll have to be made up somewhere else. Uh, that hasn't been the biggest focus for the president on the trip, but he did touch on that today. And we'll see if that comes up tomorrow. He's going to deliver what his aides are calling a major address here in Warsaw. This is probably going to be more of a broad thematic speech that, you know, sets the stage for the broad fight, you know, as he said today, between democracy and autocracy uh, and that there is so much at stake right now. Consequential things are happening. They're really looking at this speech tomorrow is about this moment that we're in right now, but I think also reflecting on history and how history will reflect on what is taking place this moment. Uh, and as we look towards the president's speech tomorrow, many have been looking at uh, this particular trip uh, as an opportunity to lead in a different way. And whether it was uh, the EU and NATO allies uh, taking up a, mm -hmm. a bigger portion or, or more control of their own futures rather than relying on the U.S. And whether President Biden would continue to have U.S. lead from the front or lead more from the middle. Uh, as you look at this speech tomorrow, uh, we have been commenting and reflecting here, obviously, on the extraordinary life of uh, Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, who uh, passed away at age 84. And she had significant things to say. Uh, I, I was hoping on Air Force One that the president was listening to uh, Madeleine Albright's acceptance speech when she became Secretary of mm -hmm. State. Uh, talking about the very principle that you mentioned, Karen, uh, yeah. of a principle of the the uh, principles of the principles of America are ascendant. It's not mm -hmm. we're number one of who we are or where we are or what might we have. It's the principles that are ascendant. Does that seem to be the theme the president is working for towards tomorrow? I think it is. Yeah. You know, when he mentioned that today, that the United States is essential, that the role that the United States plays in these big conflicts and in these big humanitarian crises and moments like this is just not something any other country can do. There's an, a, a special difference for the United States. So I think, you know, the symbolism of the president coming to Warsaw and, you know, almost looking over the border and sending a message to Vladimir Putin's troops that are in Ukraine and sending a message to Vladimir Putin about the alliance, the unity uh, between the United States and European allies at this point. It's significant. The president said yesterday at, at NATO that he can't think of a time when the alliance uh, was this united and that Putin was banking on the fact that there would be 
splits, that there would be divisions and that he could capitalize on that. And the president's saying it's just not happening. And, and that's necessary. He said today there has to be a united front to push back on Russia's aggression. Uh, and finally, uh, Karen, before I let you go and begin your next day, because I know that happens, you have like a minute and a half in between ending of one day and the beginning of your next day on presidential trips. Uh, anything that has not been on the cameras or hasn't been front and center, I know there's always those unique moments or interchanges mm -hmm. uh, that happen on these kinds of trips with the president of the United States when they are on foreign soil. Anything else you've observed that we might be missing? No, I think, you know, the president has done a lot of things behind the scenes more today on camera than yesterday at NATO, because so much of that was summit related, you know, back to back to back summits where the world leaders were huddled together behind closed doors. Uh, but, you know, today, I think the president seemed to enjoy meeting with those U.S. service members from the 82nd Airborne Division. I, I, I didn't catch this because I think I was filing on something, but I did watch him when he was with those troops. He was eating pizza because they were eating pizza. So he sat down, he had a slice, he asked them how it was. They said it was great. And then I didn't catch this as the second event where he was talking uh, about the humanitarian issues. He was sort of coughing and like his throat was a little bad. And he asked for some water because he said that there were spicy peppers on the pizza he had eaten with the troops. So I think, you know, he likes to have those types of moments uh, where he can engage with real people. And, and frankly, you know, it's March 2022 and you think he's been in office for 14 months he has had very little opportunities to engage with real people because mm -hmm. of covid you know they don't get to do events like that where he's sitting down at a dining table with americans at yeah. this point so he likes that type of politics he, he likes does. the retailness yep. and i think he's eager to get back to it oh fantastic karen travers uh, doing the hard work and heavy lifting of traveling with president joe biden abc news <laughs> white house correspondent karen thank you so much for making some time for us travel safe and we'll look forward to talking to you very soon have a great day thanks all right we'll step aside for one last commercial break stay with us much more to come we're continuing to keep our eye on utah's capitol hill we'll bring you any updates there as we move forward much more to come on ksl two years ago americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the kabul airport she was tear gassed and beaten Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.